Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. A little bit of backstory for this one. I had just finished high school and had recently turned 18 when all of this occurred. I was looking forward to starting university and was going to be moving out of my parents' house into student housing closer to campus. As a result, I started looking for work closer to where I lived. I found a job about a five-minute walk from where I was going to be living, and that was perfect for me. I was to be a barista in a tiny little coffee kiosk on one of the coolest streets in our city. This street was sort of known for prostitution and drugs, but it was also super popular as it hosted some of the most interesting events and also contained some of the nicest thrift stores in the city. What was even more ideal about my new job was the fact that I worked right across the street from my best friend. We'll call her Phoebe. At the time, Phoebe was in love with her job. She was actively being given more responsibilities, and she was being promised the world by her employers. Many of these promises turned out to be false, but at the time, the opportunities loomed large above her head. During one of her shifts, Phoebe was approached by a man who had seemingly become a regular at the place that she was working. We'll call him Richard. He told her that if she ever wanted to leave her job, he had just become the manager of a new restaurant a little way down the road. Phoebe kindly denied his offer. He approached her several more times with the same offer before she recommended another close friend of ours for the job. We'll call her Mia. Mia was hesitant to take the position at first because she had a passionate hatred for hospitality and greatly preferred retail, although she needed the extra money at the time, so she took the role. The day that Mia was signing her contract, Phoebe and I both finished work early, around 4 p.m., so we told Mia that we would meet her at her new job once we finished, and then we would go do something fun afterwards. Phoebe and I went to the cake shop next door and sat outside her work while we waited for Mia. Once they finished, Richard followed Mia outside to come and say hi to Phoebe. The girls introduced him to me, and conversation ensued. He seemed like a friendly guy, if not just a little bit awkward. He was late 30s, early 40s, bird-like in appearance quite short, bald, larger in size, and he seemed to be, I don't know, greasy? As the conversation continued, I began to tease Mia a little bit, as friends are known to do. I saw no harm in it, as she was one of my best friends and she had made a similar joke at my expense prior to this interaction. Richard's demeanor suddenly seemed to shift. He became somewhat catty in defense of Mia. He retorted back that if I was going to be mean to his staff, that he would bar me from every store on the street that we worked on. This seemed ridiculous, but he claimed to be friends with the security guard that worked on the street. I was actually friends with that man, and when I asked him about it, he told me that he had never heard of Richard before. Richard said these things to me as though he was joking, but he was so very persistent about it that I got incredibly uncomfortable and felt tears start to swell into my eyes. It was from this interaction that he nicknamed me Trouble. 
I also feel it needs to be noted that he didn't scold Mia or Phoebe at all for the same behavior. Phoebe sensed my discomfort and told him that we had to leave as we had previous plans. Flash forward a few weeks, Phoebe and I decide to go see Mia at work again. Richard intrudes on our conversation once more, and again he singles me out from the group, teasing me and only referring to me as trouble. This time, I just play along as I can tell that it isn't going to stop. He asks Mia if she is after another job as he needs someone to clean his home and lives all the way out where my parents and Mia live. Mia tells him she can't as she has too many responsibilities as it is, but I tell him that I might know a few people in the area that might do it. As a means of communication for this job, I give him my phone number. Richard takes this as a sign that I have agreed to do it and begins texting me incessantly about setting up a meeting. This man is much older than me and lives alone in a rather rural area. Suddenly, my instincts kick in and I try to get out of it by telling him I can't drive. He then says that he'll pick me up from the nearest train station. I don't want to come across as impolite or have my best friend's boss resent her because of me, so I make the mistake of agreeing. However, I tell him that my sister will be helping me as she is looking for a part-time job and my dad will be dropping us off. I do this in order to have some backup and so that my dad knows my whereabouts. Richard goes on to complain about how I don't trust him and claims that his house is very small and the $100 he is going to pay me won't be enough to split with my sister. I tell him that I just want to provide her with work experience, and then he finally agrees, asking how old she is. My sister is 17. Richard and I finally find a time that I'm not working to schedule a meeting. This meeting is held at his place of work, and I feel a lot more comfortable sitting in the main restaurant surrounded by people, as I thought he was going to hold the meeting in a back office. We begin to speak about the responsibilities of the job. He tells me it'll be basic things like tidying up, vacuuming, typical spot cleaning. I agree. He then goes on to tell me that he will also be expecting me to do his laundry. I think this is a bit odd as he's only paying a small amount for what's quickly becoming a large job. He assures me his house is small and not that messy, but continuously claims that it just needs a woman's touch. I nod and ignore the fact that this grown man thinks that just because he's a man, it means he doesn't need to know how to maintain his own home. Now, this is where things start to get creepy. Near the end of the meeting, he asks me again how old my sister is, and when I say 17, his face visibly drops. He starts telling me about how he previously posted this ad on Craigslist and the 60-year-old woman replied, offering to do it in her lingerie. He tells me how he didn't even ask for that in the ad, but she offered, and he was put off completely. He then proceeds to tell me that he would be willing to pay more to someone between the ages of 18 and 30 if they were willing to do that, but he would never request it because he wasn't a pervert. I call bullshit on that and tell him then and there that the meeting is done and I have to go meet Phoebe. He asked me if he made me uncomfortable. Well, yes you did, but I just say no and that I'll get back to him. This strange man who I've only met three times then attempts to hug me, but I ignore the gesture completely and awkwardly wave goodbye from less than three feet away. I hoof it down the street to Phoebe's work 
and tell her the entire story. She tells me I can't do it, and I tell her I know, but I don't know how to tell him that without risking my own safety or Mia's job. Fortunately, Richard gives me the perfect out. He texts me later that afternoon, telling me he hopes that I'm okay with cats, because he has a small one. I see this as the perfect opportunity, and lie to him, telling him that my sister and I are both deathly allergic to cats, and neither of us will be open to doing the job. Richard accepts this reasoning after a little persuasion, and I think I'm finally done with him. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Richard proceeded to text me every day, asking if I was mad at him, or if he made me uncomfortable, asking me how my day was, things like that. Just behaving like a middle schooler in a new relationship, basically. The more I ignored him, the more he texted. I finally blocked him in March of that year. This whole escapade had begun about four or five months prior to this. The blocking still didn't stop him, though. Mia informed me that Richard was no longer going to be working there, as he had to go for surgery, and we wouldn't have to see him anymore. See, Richard hadn't only been harassing me, but both Mia and Phoebe too, just to a lesser extent. One Saturday morning while I was working, setting up at around 7.45 a.m., Richard showed up at my work. The security divider was still down as we were closed, so he came and stood in the doorway, which was the only exit I had available to me at the time. He started asking me why I was ignoring him and telling me about his surgery. I told him he wasn't allowed to stand there as it was a fire exit, but he didn't budge. Fortunately, my boss showed up shortly afterwards and told Richard he was going to phone security if he didn't move. I'm sure my boss recognized the sheer look of fear on my face. This man was usually an ass on most days, but holy shit was I grateful for him that morning. Roughly a month after that experience, I thought Richard was gone from my life. I was living in my brand new apartment, Mia was around all the time, and loved her job without Richard being there. Things were going well for us. One morning, after a night of drinking, me and the flatmates became a bit peckish. I decided to order us some greasy food on a food delivery app, when lo and behold, it is none other than Richard that's our delivery driver. I turn to my boyfriend at the time and tell him he has to go collect the food. He doesn't understand, but Mia assures him that it's important. He agrees and heads out to collect it. Richard is not driving the vehicle that he claims to be driving on the app, and at first we're a bit confused, as the number plate is also different. Mia and I watch from my boyfriend's bedroom window, and the interaction takes much longer than expected. He eventually comes back in, and we ask him what took so long. He tells us that Richard refused to give him the food until he could prove that he was indeed my boyfriend. Richard had recognized my name from the app, and now he knew where we lived. Mia and I tell my flatmates the story of what happened, and we all agree it's a good idea to go to my RA. The resident advisor reports it to upper management, and they say they can't really do anything about it, but if Richard comes back again, to call their security. A few months go by, and there are no Richard sightings until I order from the same app once more. Yet again, Richard is our driver. And yet again, in a different car. Just like last time, I send my boyfriend to go and get the food. I report the incident to my RA and the food delivery app itself. 
I know I was stupid in not immediately reporting it to campus security, as I had much more proof of the creepy behavior than he had of his own innocence. But I was naive, and I didn't want my parents to find out at the time. Fortunately, I haven't seen Richard since. And for future reference, Richard, let's not meet ever again. This story takes place back in 1991 in the Southeast United States. And before you start to wonder, no, not Florida. I was fresh out of a relationship, living on my own in an area where I didn't have much family or many friends. And to add on to things, I had just given birth to my son the day before. My son is the product of the relationship that had just ended. And it ended due to the fact that his father simply didn't want to be a father. A little late for that in my book, but I wasn't going to force anyone to do anything they didn't want to do. I'd figure out how to make it on my own. So there I was in the hospital, recovering after giving birth, and also after losing a fair amount of blood in the process. In case there are any questions about this, childbirth isn't always smooth and easy. In fact, it's really not either one of those things in most situations. I was resting but remember getting up and moving around a little bit that day, so I couldn't have been too dopey. My son was sleeping in his bassinet next to my bed peacefully. We were both trying to nap when a nurse that I hadn't seen before in my two days at the hospital quietly came into my room and, without acknowledging me one bit, grabbed a hold of one end of the bassinet and slowly started to pull it away. I jerked almost upright in my bed, grabbed the other end of the bassinet, and said, What are you doing? This must have startled this woman, because after a split second of awkward quiet, she said that she was taking him for his blood tests. Now, I happen to be a registered nurse, and I knew what sorts of things they do to newborns. Even more, I knew that my son had already had his full panel of tests done. I emphatically pointed to the band-aid on his heel and said, He's already had his tests, so what tests are you talking about? Again, a moment of pause before she muttered something about not being sure what kinds of tests, but that she was sure that some tests were needed. At no point did I take my hand off that bassinet. I held fast, because not only did I not like her answers, her entire presence and vibe had me on guard. I felt a heaviness intenseness in this room that wasn't there at any point before she walked through the door. This woman wore a purple-pink set of scrubs, was white, likely in her early 40s, and had long burgundy or dark red painted nails that clung to my baby's resting place in a way that made me just as uneasy as her whole aura did. That's when I remember saying, rather forcefully actually, well, when you find out what tests he needs, you can let me know. Until then, you're not taking my son. She didn't respond with a single word, but she also didn't let go of his bassinet right away. We were locked in a staring contest for what felt like minutes, although I'm sure now that it was no more than five to ten seconds. Finally, her hold of his bassinet relented, and just as quietly as she came into the room, she slunk out, and as she exited the room, that would be the last time that I saw her. 
I must have still been a little bit out of it, because once she left, I didn't think to use the call button to get another nurse or doctor to come by. I kind of just sunk back into rest mode. But when the time for my afternoon check-in came with the nurse that I was under the charge of, I asked her about the other lady that had come into my room. I described her as best as I could and asked what extra tests they needed to run on my baby boy. That's when my nurse's pleasant demeanor shifted to one more filled with concern. She told me that baby boy's blood work had come back perfectly and there was no order to take more blood. That's what I had thought. But the real shock was when she told me that this particular floor of the hospital only had three nurses on duty currently and none of them fit the description that I just gave her. She called hospital security and they came to talk to me. After speaking with the officer on duty, he explained that he would look at the security footage and get back to me with anything that he found. But after learning that a non-medical professional, or more likely somebody posing as one, just attempted to remove my son from my possession, I no longer felt safe in that hospital. I asked to be discharged a whole day earlier than what doctors were advising. Now, I'll say that when most people see a nurse walk into their hospital room, they tend to just let them do whatever they're there to do. The idea is that the nurse wouldn't be bothering me if they didn't have to. They're just doing their jobs. But I knew not to be so complacent. In our area at the time, there were several instances of babies being abducted by imposters dressed in uniforms. People that came in and, from under the noses of parents and professionals, simply walked off with infants. Some of these people were caught. Some of them were not. I'll never know for sure, but I absolutely feel like we dodged a bullet that afternoon. My son is now upwards of 30 years old. He's happy, healthy, has a family of his own. But no matter how old he gets, he will always be my baby boy. Mine, not that lady's. My story takes place in Fayetteville, North Carolina, near Fort Bragg, where I went to college four years ago. As anyone who is familiar with the area knows, Fayetteville has a large population of homeless vets near the base, also known locally as Fayetteville. I had just turned 20 years old and had moved out of the house for college over two hours away. I had previously worked at a nursing home for two years, so I have a special place in my heart for the struggling elderly. My roommate and I had moved into a little apartment near the college and bought a rinky-dink washer and dryer set, used. Well, the washer didn't last for a whole week before it burnt out, and we had to start using a laundromat. My roommate was often busy with homework, so I offered to do his laundry for him if he would do mine next week, and he agreed. So I grabbed a bag with laundry accessories, my phone, school books, about $15 in quarters, and our clothes and our dirty hamper, and left the apartment. The layout of this particular laundromat was, at the front of the store, there were two rows of washers and then two rows of dryers near the back, then dryers on the walls on the left-hand side near the front. There were two tables kitty-corner to each other, one at the front left-hand side, one at the back right-hand side, then chairs lining the left of the walls. At the laundromat, I threw all of our laundry into a machine, 
and pulled out one of my books for school to start studying. I happened to be sitting at the table closest to the exit, towards the front. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a woman with a child sitting down in the chairs to the left. I also see an elderly man with a military hat, standing in the middle aisle getting frustrated with a machine. It was really hard to watch, and I felt obligated to help him. I grabbed my bag with all my laundry stuff to come to his aid, and asked him if he would like some help with the washer. He said yes. I looked at his washer. He had no soap and was missing a quarter in the slots. As I got closer, I could smell his very potent stench of body odor emanating from his laundry. I offered him a Tide Pod and gave him a quarter. He thanked me, then walked back over to the front tables. I pick up my book to start reading, and he catches the corner of my eye again. He was taking all of his clothes off and putting them in the dryer. He was now only in a white undershirt tank top and his shorts. At this point, I'm realizing that this man is indeed homeless and might have a few screws loose, so I should be careful. I watch him walk to the other table near the back of the store, then walk towards my table with a big trash bag as he sits down on the other side of the table. I smile at him, and he smiles back, showing the fact that most of his teeth were missing and that his canines were heavily decayed. He starts to small talk with me until there was an awkward silence. I could tell that he was really lonely and wanted to talk, so yet again, I feel bad for him and try to strike up a conversation. I ask him about his military hat, and he got a flash of pride in his eye as he tells me that he was a veteran that fought in Vietnam and begins to tell me about all the things that he used to do for the military. When he was finished telling me, I told him that my stepdad was a Korean war vet and I had a lot of respect for those who served and thanked him for his service. He asked me how my stepdad was doing. I told him that he died from cancer when I was younger, but I loved him very much. He looks me dead in the eye and tells me that he was sorry about my stepfather, but that I could call him daddy anytime. Then he puts his hat on me. I start freaking out, thinking this man has lice, so I took it off relatively calmly and handed it right back to him. I wasn't sure if he was trying to be funny or not, but I told him that he was making me very uncomfortable and that I'd rather be left alone to my studies. He nodded and took his bag over to the other table. A few minutes pass, and the lady and her kid that were sitting to the left leave. Just like clockwork, that man comes back over to sit with me, this time without his bag. He came over and apologizes to me and explained that he didn't mean to be rude, simultaneously handing me a bag of candy. I try to decline it, telling him that I have a dairy allergy, but he refuses and puts it inside my bag of soaps. I say thank you, and he nods and sits back down. I do my best to ignore him, but he starts making these noises, like he's in pain, just to get my attention. I ask him if he was okay, and he said, yeah, I'm just getting old. I giggle, and then he tells me, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you, you have the most beautiful red hair I've ever seen. You remind me of my girlfriend. I ask him to hold on as I switch my clothes over from the washer to the dryer, but then I ask him about his girlfriend, and he tells me that she died of a heroin overdose two months ago. I tell him that I'm sorry, 
He then asks if I would be his girlfriend. And without a second thought, I then try and convince him that I'm underage, and that would be highly inappropriate. I'm no more than 4 feet 11 inches tall, and about 100 pounds, so I figured it would have been believable. He then tells me that he doesn't care about age, and can keep a secret. Then he touches my hand from across the table. Shivers went up my spine and I told him, I'm sorry sir, but no, I have a boyfriend. And I yanked my hand back to text my roommate to come help me now. At this point, what had seemed to just be a wayward gaze now seems rather predatory, and my heart is absolutely beating out of my chest. I put my book down inside my bag and start gathering things to get the f*** out of there. I'm trying to be slow enough not to alarm him or provoke any unwanted behavior. I was wearing a tank top and sweatpants at the time, and that's when he comments that he can see my cleavage, saying that I have nice tits, while then also moving on to explaining the things that he'd like to do to them. I stopped acknowledging him then, threw my bag into the bottom of the hamper, started walking to the dryer where my clothes were, still sopping wet, and started shoveling them as fast as I could into the hamper. All during this time, he's telling me how he would take me to a hotel and do all of these horribly graphic things to me if he had the money, and that he had over 60 years of experience in pleasuring women. I'm still trying to ignore him, and I've almost gotten all of my clothes from the dryer. He then either picks up underwear that had fallen on the floor in my scramble, or had taken them from my hamper while I wasn't paying attention. The bright blue thong catches my eye. That's when I look at him. I look him dead in the eye as he flicks his tongue through the space of his missing front teeth, just like a snake. He starts bringing my underwear to his face, which I snatch so fast that it startles him. He starts hightailing it to his bag in the back of the laundromat, and I panic and head for the door with all my belongings. I have never seen an old man run so damn fast. He grabs his bag and runs back toward me, asking for a ride to a nearby town if I would wait for him. He grabs my shoulder in my struggle to open the door, and then I scream loud. And for the record, I have some serious pipes on me. He freezes in that moment. I make it out the door, and then in my car without hearing him behind me. My guess is that he was looking around the parking lot and laundromat to make sure no one was around. I'm not sure though, as I wasn't paying attention to him. I was just trying to get to my car. I threw my laundry in the back seat, and then he starts walking out towards my car. He arrives at it just as I was getting in and locking my doors, asking for a ride again, pulling on my door handles, both begging and crying. I slam my car in reverse and leave from the laundromat having a total panic attack. I get home and wake up my roommate and just start bawling my eyes out. I tell him everything that happened and made him promise that he would go with me next time. I'm not sure why I didn't just leave without the laundry, then come back with my roommate. I'm not sure why I did a lot of the things that led to this. I guess it's hard to have a clear head during stressful situations. All I know is that I'm so glad that I made it out. And dear Mr. Vietnam Vet, while I thank you for your service, I sincerely hope that we never meet again.